Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Florida Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It's also made possible in part by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund and by the Brevard County Board of Commissioners through the Brevard Cultural Alliance, Incorporated. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, on the web at myfloridahistory.org. I'm Ben Broatmarkle, and coming up on this week's program, a walking tour of LaGrange Cemetery. When the church was organized and built originally, uh, it was the first schoolhouse, the first public meeting uh, place here in this little settlement of LaGrange. It took the Spanish almost five decades to establish a successful colony here. Before 1565, at least a dozen separate Spanish expeditions had attempted to explore and or colonize La Florida. All that coming up on Florida Frontiers. There's a place dear to me where I'm longing to be With my friends at the old country church There with mother we went and our Sundays were spent With our friends at the old country church Precious years of memory Oh, what joy they bring to me How I long once more to be With my friends at the old country church The LaGrange community was established in the mid-1800s directly between what would become Titusville and Mims. The LaGrange Church, built in 1869, is the oldest Protestant church south of St. Augustine and the oldest church of any kind south of New Smyrna Beach. The quaint, rectangular church with a steeple in front that we're visiting today was constructed in 1871 to replace the original church that was made of logs. Joining us at LaGrange Church is Roz Foster, president of the North Brevard Heritage Foundation. Roz, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. The LaGrange Church was was quite a hub of activity for the residents of North Brevard County. Tell me a little bit about how this building was used. Uh, This was the uh, mainstay of the community that settled here as early as 1852. And when the church was organized and built originally, uh, it was the first schoolhouse, the first public meeting uh, place here in this little settlement of LaGrange. Uh, It also was a gathering point uh, for a social affairs, so it was the mainstay of the community. As president of the North Brevard Heritage Foundation, you lead a a variety of of historic preservation efforts, and your work has been recognized by the Florida Historical Society, who presented you with the Caroline P. Rossiter Award for Outstanding Woman in Florida History, and you got your start right here uh, at LaGrange Church. Your work in historic preservation got started here. Tell me about how you began your historic preservation work here at LaGrange. Uh, When the church was restored, uh, itself in, uh, in 1995, I came to the dedication ceremony and I also supported the restoration efforts. Um, I uh, saw the um, cemetery that was adjacent to the church and it was in deplorable condition, overgrown, uh, and uh, the grave sites uh, were uh, lying, the tombstones were lying on the ground and um, uh, vandalized, etc. So um, I, at that time, I belonged to the Titusville Garden Club and I asked them if they would like 
to uh, have a project to clean up Colonel Titus's grave because it was in such deplorable condition. And after all, he was the founder of the community. So uh, we all came out and uh, we uh, cleaned up Colonel Titus's grave, which it took a few days to do. Uh, But as we looked around, we also um, noticed that there there was a lot of history here in the cemetery. And uh, so we decided to clean up another section by Memorial Day of that year, which we did. And we had a dedication ceremony, and uh, which was very successful and very appreciative by the community. Uh, since then, uh, since uh, uh, 1995, it's been a continuous continuing effort uh, to uh, restore the cemetery and uh, we have a team of uh, girls who do that there's about five of us and uh, we work diligently trying to mark on marked graves uh, to uh, validate them of course uh, with obituaries so it's a very uh, uh, long and arduous task to do. Uh, but uh, we're very happy to do it. We've marked over a hundred graves that were previously not marked, and uh, we uh, have uh, compiled uh, genealogy on a lot of the people buried here. Uh, most of them very important um, uh, pioneers uh, who settled in this area in the 1800s. And the oldest graves, or the oldest section of Lagrange uh, uh, Cemetery, is uh, evidenced by uh, most of the tombstones are facing slightly southeast, and it's very uh, noticeable when you look at the other tombstones surrounding it. That's the oldest portion of the cemetery. The next oldest is Section B, which is adjacent uh, next to the church, and uh, the um, uh, and then of course Section C, which which is on the other end. Now, as, as we walk into the, the cemetery just north of, of LaGrange Church, we're, we're approaching the, the largest monument here, and it uh, has a familiar name. It, 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 this belongs to the Mims family? Yes, it does, and they were the founders of uh, the community of Mims, which is approximately five miles north of here. Now, I've heard a story, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that the Mims brothers uh, were relatives of, of Jesse James? <laughs> that's the <a> story. <laughs> I can't validate that, but that's what they say. <laughs> uh, also here is the grave site of our first undertaker, Mr. Froschner. Uh, he came here from uh, Germany. He was born in Germany and came here, and um, he settled over at, uh, at a, a little settlement called Enterprise, which is on the north shore of Lake Monroe at Sanford, and um, he helped uh, build DeBerry Hall, uh, and uh, which is a, a lovely. He was carpenter by trade. When he moved over here and he married uh, one of the Feaster girls, um, it was a necessity, out of necessity, that he became our first undertaker because uh, he could uh, build caskets, and uh, and uh, so he went to mortuary school uh, up in, I believe it was Jacksonville, and came back, and he remained our uh, undertaker for many years. Now, as we're walking through this oldest section, uh, or walking toward the oldest section of the cemetery here at LaGrange, uh, we're approaching a much more modest grave than the the marker for the Mims family, and it's the the oldest grave here, uh, and it's from a, a soldier who fought in the War of 1812. Uh, this is the Feaster plot, family plot, which is quite large and uh, one of the oldest grave uh, sites in the oldest section of the cemetery. Uh, most of the Feasters uh, that came to LaGrange in uh, 1860s uh, are buried in this plot. 
uh, Andrew Feaster fought in the War of 1812. Uh, the Feasters came here in eight in the 1750s uh, and uh, settled in a community uh, in uh, Carolina, which uh, they uh, called uh, Feasterville. They started an academy, they started a church, and they were dunkards by uh, by uh, faith, uh, which is similar to our Quakers. Um, but uh, they uh, after the Civil War during the Civil War. Uh, 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 the area where they were in were d was destroyed. They came down here because there was land available uh, uh, under the uh, Home Occupation Act and um, uh, they actually settled in Micanopy and then came down here at a later date and uh, uh, when the surveyors were in the area they followed them around and found some really good pieces of property. So uh, when the rest of the family came down uh, they uh, settled here at LaGrange. Uh, over here we have uh, their children and uh, one of them is, uh, this is his wife Mary Norris Feaster. Uh, his children here uh, is um, uh, Julia Ann Feaster Coleman. Uh, she uh, was a widow uh, from the Civil War. Uh, her husband did not die of a bullet. Uh, he died of uh, disease. And uh, she, with her two young children, uh, uh, Robert and Lewis, came here uh, and uh, settled. She was a, a Sunday school teacher at LaGrange for uh, about 52 years and uh, uh, 54 years uh, and uh, she was a mainstay of the community also and uh, it was said that uh, hardly anyone in the area wasn't taught by Aunt Julia as she was referred to and by the way her house that they her uh, um, two um, uh, brothers built for her was uh, here at LaGrange uh, over uh, on the river uh, and it was put together entirely by wooden pegs. As we're continuing to walk through the, the, the cemetery, there are so many stories to be told for each one of these grave sites, I imagine, but uh, we're walking by a, a really unusual looking tombstone that looks like a, a tree stump with a, a vine wrapped around it. Tell me the story about this. Uh, these were provided uh, through the Woodsman of the World, which is an insurance company, and uh, you paid into $100, and that guaranteed you a decent burial uh, and a tombstone. And uh, it was a fraternal order, uh, and uh, the, we have uh, uh, quite a few of these, actually, I think uh, three or four of them, in our cemetery, and um, uh, they, they're they no longer made this way because of the artisan. It's all carved. So, um, and uh, it uh, it's interesting, this particular one, uh, uh, Mr. Orman, uh, it was during the influenza epidemic of 1918. Uh, he died uh, December 3rd. Uh, the little baby uh, died December 5th, and the good Lord uh, saw to it that the mother was um, uh, lasted long enough to care for her dying child, and she died December 7th. So uh, it's a story to be told uh, as many stories here in the cemetery. 
Well, as we continue walking through the Lagrange Cemetery in the in the oldest section, uh, you mentioned that you started with the the gravesite of uh, Colonel Henry Titus, who is the namesake of of Titusville, and his tombstone is in a, a fenced-in area uh, near here as we, as we're walking through. Tell me a little bit about uh, Colonel Henry Titus. He was quite a, a notorious character. Uh, yes, he was. Uh, he was very controversial. Um, there are a lot of uh, uh, things that um, are written about him uh, that uh, it cannot be backed up by the paperwork, as they say. Uh, and one of the f- strange um, things that we found uh, as we're validating uh, grave sites in the cemetery, uh, uh, we uh, looked up, uh, tried to find an obituary for Colonel Titus. And being of such uh, important political statue that he was, we thought there'd be a whole front page on the Star Advocate newspaper. Uh, He died in 1881 at the age of 59. And when we looked, we couldn't find anything. So, uh, except we found two little uh, 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 sentences that said Colonel Titus has died, etc., 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 and then there was the, uh, uh, on another little piece about uh, you know nothing about his funeral or anything. We thought that was very strange. Uh, four days prior to his demise, um, he had written a letter uh, uh, in retribution for uh, a claim uh, that uh, Titusville was not going to be uh, a, t- a town of the future. And uh, and that was from Jacksonville. So we actually don't know if he was uh, died in Jacksonville and they brought him down here to Barry or not. So that's a question. The other thing is that uh, as we were looking up the records, we also found that Mary Titus did not buy this burial plot until 1891, which is 10 years after Colonel Titus was buried. So there's a little controversy about that, whether he was actually buried here, whether he was buried in a cemetery downtown that was originally around um, Orange Avenue, uh, 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 where the old Methodist church used to be. She did give a plot of land there, uh, and uh, we have that uh, that, uh, certificate of land grant for that church and he may have been buried there at one time we do not know Uh, we have probed here in front of the tombstone Uh, we have not found anything in there however what's interesting uh, we will continue to see if we can find an actual obituary on him because it seems odd of such prominence uh, person that there wasn't uh, a good coverage of his even his funeral uh, there wasn't any description well apparently he wasn't too well liked it 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 was actually his wife that owned a a lot of property as you mentioned around here but uh, the town is named after him Uh, could you tell me the story of, of how Titusville got its name? Uh, the legend goes that uh, Colonel Titus and uh, Captain uh, Rice uh, had either a, a, a domino game or a card game. And it was said uh, whoever won uh, was the name was going to, the town was going to be named after them. And uh, knowing Colonel Titus, uh, uh, possibly he cheated a little bit and uh, it became Titusville. Now, as we continue walking toward uh, the back part of the cemetery, this is where the, the black section, uh, the African-American section of, of the cemetery is. And I uh, imagine there was a, a lot more work to be done back in this section as you started trying to document grave sites. 
Yeah, very much so. In fact, uh, when we started working out here uh, uh, on uh, restoration of the cemetery, we had no idea that it was a segregated cemetery. So it didn't make any difference to us. Uh, it, it, we were just here to clean up. Uh, what we did is uh, there was uh, it had been neglected for quite some time. So it was a huge chore to clean that cemetery up. But we just got in there and did what we have to do. Now understand this has been over a long period of time and uh, but we cut bushes down and we uh, hauled out lots and lots of trash. Uh, end result was uh, Rose Woolley who works with uh, with us and has been working with us on uh, restoration and I uh, then what we did is we mapped the whole cemetery uh, plot by plot which is an Ardenist task in itself and uh, then Don Brashera who works does computer work for us uh, put it in the computer and um, uh, did a layout uh, uh, of every single we, we numbered every single grave site there whether it had a grave in the in the plot or not uh, we numbered it because for future uh, reference and uh, even as in the white section even today we find unmarked graves we validate them and we mark them uh, one of the interesting uh, things in the uh, black section of the cemetery after we got it marked up we did find uh, that a lot of people started coming back out and putting flowers on the grave a lot of people got in touch with us and and said we know where um, my aunt is buried or a child is buried or this. So that helped us in finding new uh, the uh, lost graves and they were very grateful for that. Uh, that continues today. Uh, we also had a gentleman uh, who came forth. He knew the work that we were doing and uh, he wanted to re uh, remain anonymous, which uh, we we uh, respected his wishes, and uh, he do donated uh, quite a bit of money uh, in, to our efforts to mark these unmarked graves with uh, with granite tombstones. So Able Monument Company uh, worked with us and gave us a special uh, rate uh, to do this to help us restore the cemetery and they're uh, 10 by 16 granite stones and so to honor this gentleman uh, who uh, with uh, did this out of uh, Christian love uh, we had uh, little hearts put on uh, at the bottom of the right hand side. Um, when uh, uh, we bought as many tombstones as we could validate at the time, uh, which was quite a few. Uh, the next uh, section that we did is we started uh, raising funds uh, from our um, uh, services at the church or our special programs at the church, and we had fundraisers. And uh, we raised enough money to uh, buy our own tombstones uh, uh, to mark the unmarked graves, which we continue today. And they have little Christian crosses on the bottom of the churches. Now, as we make our way toward uh, what is the northeast section in the in the black section of, of the cemetery, we come to the grave sites of uh, what are certainly the most uh, recognizable names buried here at, at LaGrange uh, Church Cemetery. And that is, uh, of course, civil rights activists and educators, Harry T. and Harriet V. Moore. 
Uh, yes, uh, they are located in a very historic uh, portion of the Black Secre uh, um, Cemetery. Um, Harriet and Harry T. Moore, um, uh, their finding rest of place is actually not too far from where their ho original home was, uh, uh, just off of uh, North Dixie Highway. It's actually about two miles from here. Uh, when their bomb uh, went off on uh, Christmas uh, night, and uh, killed Harry, and uh, uh, nine days later, Harriet died of, of the of, uh, injuries sustained from that bombing. Um, every uh, December, there is a memorial service here, uh, paying respect uh, uh, to uh, to these wonderful people. Uh, but also uh, adjacent to them uh, are uh, some of the well-known. Um, pioneer black families of the area uh, who settled this area in the 1800s. Uh, the Stricklands, the Warrens, uh, the Kylers, uh, uh, Sheldons, Heightsmith, uh, uh, a lot of them are, are buried uh, in, the, in this cemetery. So we also honor them. Well, now, as, as we've been talking about, your, your work here began in 1995, but maintaining this church and cemetery and the research must be an, an ongoing process. Absolutely. We continue today. Uh, we continue to find unmarked graves, uh, but we... Uh, we also help people uh, who cannot find uh, uh, the grave sites of their loved ones. They know they can call us because we have extensive records that we've compiled. A lot of mapping. Um, uh, Patty Andrews and Marie Braswell uh, are continuously working, uh, uh, doing research in the summertime and uh, validating and probing uh, during the cooler months. Uh, to uh, And now we have a matrix or an index uh, telling us uh, uh, by section uh, uh, what records we actually have. So we can take a look at that and we can say, okay, we have an obituary, we have a mortuary record, uh, there is a marker, there isn't a marker, uh, and, uh, and it has been validated. And that is an enormous task. Uh, uh, we've been working, uh, they've been working on that about three years now and just uh, completed the two historic sections of LaGrange and our work working on the third one, which is Section C. Well, Roz, thanks so much for giving us this walking tour through the Grange Cemetery. Okay, uh, there's one other little interesting um, uh, thing that I would like to tell you. In the uh, black section, uh, in the back there was a tree uh, with a lot of concrete block and a lot of junk underneath of it when we first started here. And it was in the back section, but a very pretty site. So uh, we cleaned that all out and hauled all the concrete blocks and the debris away. And um, uh, and some of the broken, uh, after we said this, we said, you know, there are so many unmarked graves here that we'll never be able to find. Uh, let's make this a little memorial garden. So I went to uh, Abel Monument, and anyhow, we have um, a, 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 a large marker there that uh, states that uh, this is dedicated to those who rest in unmarked graves, that they will not be forgotten. 
And we placed it there, and we put flowers there for the holidays, and of course, American flag for there. But what what happened when we did that? Uh, we started placing so we could surround it and define it more. Okay, uh, so it would be a place in the cemetery to remember these people. Um, we started putting pieces of brick and concrete that we found or rocks in a circle around it. Okay, well, other people started bringing rocks and pieces of brick and, and uh, until what we call the circle of unity was completely closed. And today people put flowers in there in memory of, of, of their loved ones that they don't know where they are uh, in the cemetery and we haven't found yet. And uh, it's just a lovely way to uh, memorialize uh, those who do lay on unmarked graves. Great. Well, thanks again for giving us this tour. Thank you. Roz Foster is president of the North Brevard Heritage Foundation. LaGrange Church, originally constructed in 1869, is the oldest Protestant church south of St. Augustine and the oldest church of any kind south of New Smyrna Beach. Precious years of memory, oh, what joy they bring to me. How I long once more to be with my friends at the old country church. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. Visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org to find out about upcoming events, look at historic photographs, and search our catalog for the Library of Florida History. You can watch video of our theatrical production, Female Florida, Historic Women in Their Own Words, and listen to archived editions of this program. Teachers and students can download curriculum guides to accompany our online materials. While you're at myfloridahistory.org, please click on the Join Now button. The Florida Historical Society was established in 1856 as the only statewide historical society, but we are not funded by the state. We depend on membership support. All Florida Historical Society members receive our journal, the Florida Historical Quarterly, and our newsletter, the Society Report. Find out more at myfloridahistory.org. In 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon landed on Florida's shore, beginning a cultural relationship between Spain and Florida that will be commemorated throughout the state on its 500th anniversary in 2013. This moment in Florida history features University of North Florida historian Michael Francis. Before 1565, at least a dozen separate Spanish expeditions had attempted to explore and or colonize La Florida. All had failed. For men like Juan Ponce de Leon, Lucas Vázquez de Ayón, Panfilo de Narváez, Hernando de Soto, Father Luis Cancer, and scores of other would-be conquistadors, settlers, and clergy, Florida brought only misery and death. By the middle of the 1560s, it was clear that Florida was not another Mexico or Peru, and the peninsula did not boast rich gold, silver, or emerald mines. Moreover, its relatively small and dispersed Indian populations would not generate a wealthy bounty and tribute payments. But Florida was a strategic location, one that King Philip II of Spain did not want to lose. And so the Spanish crown had to convince one of its own subjects to risk life and fortune on an enterprise with a five-decade history of failure. 
The man who ultimately accepted the task? St. Augustine's founder, Pedro Menendez de Aviles. University of North Florida historian Michael Francis. This moment in Florida history was created and produced by the Florida Humanities Council with funds from the Florida Department of State Division of Cultural Affairs, commemorating 500 years of Spanish history and culture in Florida. You've been listening to Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. Please join us here again next week, and until then, visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org, join us on Facebook at Florida Historical Society, and follow us on Twitter at MyFLHistory. Have a great week. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Florida Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It's also made possible in part by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund and by the Brevard County Board of Commissioners through the Brevard Cultural Alliance, Incorporated.